and we just truly are so happy, genuinely happy that you have chosen to be here and that we can worship the Lord together as a family and give glory to a wonderful God who truly deserves it, that wonderful God that sent his son into this world to be our Savior, our Messiah, to redeem us, to buy us back. And so we praise the Lord. I was thinking this morning, you know, James, that was a great communion meditation. But when you said you were singing the song, Overwhelmed in Your Head, what I was saying in my head was, I bet Amy is glad that you were singing it in your head and not out loud. So, but anyway, got to pick on when you can. Yeah. Oh, we are in a sermon series entitled, Simply Thankful. Simply Thankful. And the idea is for us as God's children or people that are seeking the Lord to have a mindset, an attitude of being thankful to God for everything. The small things, the large things, and not to take anything at all for granted. And you and I know that it's easy to take for granted many of the blessings in our life until maybe they're in jeopardy. And then when we find out that a certain area in our life is once again at least safe and secure in this world the way that we see security, we're grateful for something that we almost lost. What are you simply thankful for? We've said we're simply thankful for the relationships that we have with one another. We're simply thankful for our spouses. We're simply thankful for our friends. We're simply thankful for the sunshine. Hey, it's going to get 50 degrees today. The sun may not be shining today, but it's going to be in the 50s and not 50 below in Michigan. So we're thankful, Lord. We're thankful for the rain. Too much mud, but we're, we're thankful. We're thankful for the food that we eat. The children that we have to love. The roof over our heads. The car that gets us to work. Even though it may rattle and bang a lot. We don't care. It's better than walking. We're simply thankful. Are you a person that's genuinely, sincerely thankful to God for the blessings He instills in your life or do you take them for granted? 
Show me someone that's simply thankful for the little things in life and I'll show you a happy person. A person that's positive. A person that the glass is always half full versus half empty. Oh, Lord God above, help us to develop an attitude of gratitude, as they would say. An attitude of gratitude. It may be a trite expression, but it's a genuine expression to have an attitude of gratitude for the Lord. There's scriptures where God works in people's life throughout the New Testament and people simply do not give Him thanks. Now I know. I know there's people here, I'm sure. Well, this didn't happen. Or that didn't happen. Or I was hoping for this. Or I was hoping for that. Or I really wanted this and it fell through. And so, I'm not thankful for those things. But you know what? Sometimes we need to be simply thankful. And I'll use another trite expression. For unanswered prayer. Because the God who reigns over us. Who loves us knows what we need and when we need it. And so He works in our lives. And so something that we might not see as so wonderful or great, He uses it for His glory and to bring glory to the Son and bless our lives. So the hard times that you go through, the struggles and the stresses, Be simply thankful for those things in your life. My daughter is going through such a struggle health-wise now. And I text her this morning. Lean on the Lord. Trust God. Don't borrow trouble and worry. Because God will teach you something through this that you could learn no other way. That is true for us all. Now, today, the heart of this message is to be simply thankful for the compassion of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, without relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is hard, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are all alone in this world. Now, you need to hear me because I can hear someone saying probably what I was thinking when I was thinking about this last week. No, I'm not. I've got Danielle. There is nobody in this world that's ever stood by me like Danielle. You know what? Danielle could only do such. 
your spouse, your friend, your child, your grandparent, whatever the relationship is, they can only do so much. But is there a scripture that says, without a relationship with God in this world, you are all alone and by yourself Absolutely. It is a spiritual truth and teaching. We don't think of it that way. So, whether it's my daughter or me or you and what you're facing, there is hopelessness in our lives if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. We're all alone, but with Him. With Him. I can do all things, and so can you, through Christ who gives us strength. And I am thrilled, overwhelmed to say, we have a God and a Savior that are compassionate. Compassionate means to come alongside, to Feel for what the other person is going through. The idea of the word compassion automatically tells us that someone is in distress or difficulty. And so you see that. And although you might not be going through that, maybe you've been through it before. And so your heart goes out to what they are walking through at that given time in their lives. Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ child, the unique Son of God that has compassion on people. In Matthew 9, this basically summarizes the idea of a compassionate Savior. Jesus, early in his ministry, went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing disease and sickness. Early in his ministry, a messenger from God, but a unique messenger going throughout all the towns, telling the good news. And healing every disease and sickness. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine what it would have been like to experience Jesus in that setting of coming and going through town after town after town, and telling people the spiritual truth, and yet every person that would come in contact with Him that had some disease or some illness, He healed. Anybody here got a child with a disease? Anybody here got a loved one with a sickness? Don't we all in some way? What are you dealing with? Oh, 
what I would have given if Jesus would have come through my town. If he would have come through my town in 1982, two days before Thanksgiving, when my 17-year-old brother was electrocuted to death and died, if I could have brought Jesus to him and said, Lord, help And if he could have given my brother back, not just to me, but to my mom and dad who I watched weep and well and mourn. And when you see your father never cry, and then you see welling of your father, oh, it breaks your heart. Oh, what a wonderful thing that would have been. Wouldn't you like to have that experience with someone in your life? Jesus Help. Help. Do you care enough to help? He cared enough to help every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. It was true healing by the Lord. And now Jesus, when he sees the crowds, it says he had compassion on them. Because you can imagine... If he did this for me and you were aware of what happened to my brother and you see my brother now with me, then you're going to have people and things in your life and all of a sudden everybody is flooding to Jesus for this healing, this this fleshly healing because we know. Oh, could you imagine those of you going through cancer? And all the effects of chemo and radiation. Or those knees that don't work so good. Or, or Lord, I just don't, my mind isn't working like it used to. I don't remember things the way that I used to. Heal me, Lord. So I think we get it. And I think we understand why the crowds were going to him. And he sees the crowds and he has empathy. Comes alongside. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep. Without a shepherd. Did you catch it? When I said without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're all alone? Well, you start to see it here, but you're going to see it more near the end of this message. Jesus sees the people that need so much, and these are probably Jewish people that had the law. God's chosen people in distress. They were harassed. They were helpless. Jesus sums up by saying... They are like a sheep without a shepherd. They're left to their own. They're going astray in all different directions. And they have so many needs. But they have no shepherd. If Jesus is not your shepherd, you are harassed and helpless. If Jesus is not your Messiah, you 
are all alone in this world. Except for a little fleshly strength from those around you that love you for whatever time they have, but it's just in the physical strength. It's not in the spiritual realm or the spiritual strength. It is not the strength of the Most High God. There it is, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, we know He doesn't want that for them. And so He's helping. Now, here is another picture of the compassion of Jesus that doesn't use the word compassion. And it's really about the tears of Jesus. I don't know if you ever sit and think about Jesus and did he shed tears? Did he, did he cry? Well, he did. Sometimes you'll read verses, Jesus cried out, cried out from the cross, cried out. And you're like, well, that could mean crying tears, but we can just cry out. We can shout and speak forth. But there's three times that's recorded in the New Testament that Jesus cried. He cried or wept in the garden of Gethsemane. And you'll read that he was deeply troubled and he sweat as though it was blood. It doesn't really say that he was crying, but you get over into Hebrews chapter 5 and that story is talking about the garden of Gethsemane and it talks about many intense tears of Jesus' life here on earth. Jesus cried. And in this second passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, we'll see more tears of Jesus and his compassion. Now, anytime you talk about John 11, for those that know that passage really well, you know it's the passage where Jesus resurrects his good friend Lazarus from the dead. He is friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it seems to be a a unique relationship that Jesus has with this family. Jesus is two miles away in Jerusalem. Bethany is just two miles away Word is sent to Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Implying, come and and help us. We, We need you. We know what you can do. We know that you care. But Jesus takes his time getting to Bethany, although it's only two miles away. And before he gets there, Lazarus has died and been buried and in the tomb, four days. But it's at the beginning, as we are learning about this story from John, that he says, Jesus, to the disciples, this is, this event, this is for God's glory, 
and for God to glorify His Son, me, through it. He tells the disciples, this won't end in death. And then we get to where Jesus is arriving outside of Bethany, and everyone's talking. Martha learns that he's coming into town, and she runs to meet Jesus and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died, implying, I believe, where were you? Where were you? And it's the beautiful passage where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? And the response is, I know that my brother will live at the end of time in the resurrection on the last day. And they talk some more, and Jesus asks for Mary. Where's Mary? Martha runs back to the house, calls Mary aside and says, The teacher's asking for you. And, and Mary runs out of the house and all those that have come from Jerusalem to give comfort to Martha and Mary over the loss of their brother. They see her run out and their understanding is she's headed back to the tomb to weep and to mourn and grieve there. But that's not where she's headed. She's headed to Jesus. And she gets to Jesus and says the same thing. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where have you been is what implied. And as beautiful as that story is about resurrection. And as much as we'll talk about resurrection as we approach Easter on April the 21st, the emphasis today is not resurrection. It is compassion. So he sees Mary weeping. And all the Jews that had followed her out of the house were also weeping. You ever been in that situation where someone you love is, you know, crying doesn't really convey it like weeping. But it's all the way down in the gut weeping over a loss. And then the friends around the one that has suffered the greatest loss, weeping. It's, it can be very emotional. It's just it's hard not to, to cry. Yesterday, when Dee wrapped her arms around Ashley and said, it's going to be okay. Ashley's bloodshot eyes and tears and crying and just, you know, concern and worry over the unknown. You just sit back there and you watch that and you join them out of compassion because of what's happening. It's beautiful and it's sad. It's beautiful and it's sad. That's what Jesus sees. And it says he was deeply 
moved in spirit and troubled. Deeply moved. I want to talk about that word because it describes compassion. And it tells us another spiritual truth for those that belong to the Lord. I want to share both those things. Deeply moved here is a beautiful and wonderful word that has the flavor of anger. And it's connected to Jesus. Normally you don't think of Jesus as being angry. Literally it means to snort with anger. That's true. I've seen people be so mad that they they just sort of lose control and, and they snort. I've seen it, especially with horses, when they get to fighting, they, they snort, and I mean, it's, there's some anger. It means to enjoin or partner with sternly. So I hope you never read this passage of Scripture again the same way, that as you read that Jesus sees Mary weeping, and I'm sure Martha's weeping, and all the friends are weeping, that He... Jesus, the Savior, the unique Son of God, is sternly upset, bothered, and angered. Not at Mary. Not at Martha. Not at the Jewish friends. But angered over the broken hearts they have because of death. This word troubled is a word that means to be to be stirred and unsettled. Well, surely Jesus was never, you know, getting edgy or, or nervous or unsettled. Yes, he is here. He's angry what death has done, what death has brought into the world. And here's the second beautiful passage for you that ties with Matthew 9 that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're on alone. But if you do have a relationship, He comes alongside you. Our Savior is compassionate for all mankind. God loves all of His creation. But here in this situation, this unique situation with Martha and Mary and the Jewish people, He enjoins them. They are loved by Him. He is concerned for them. He's not a distant Messiah that, hey, it's going to be all right. It's not going to end in death. I can fix this. He is there with them in their pain. And that's why I say, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're never alone. If the job fails... If the market tanks, if you get the disease, the diagnosis, if you lose someone you love, if you lose your life, you are never 
alone. God is always with you, championing everything for you, feeling for you in everything that you are going through. Sometimes we may not realize it as believers, but He is there and promises that He will always be with us. I am simply thankful for the compassion of Jesus Christ for me and for you and for all believers. He goes on. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. He cried. He shed a tear. He enjoined himself with them because he loved them. And he loves you. He loves you. Oh God, may that put a smile on your face and a song in your heart. Jesus wept. It is the shortest verse in the Bible. And I think it's personally the most important verses in the Bible because it gives us an identity that Jesus cares. Always cares. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You know, it's like... We just don't know when to keep our mouths closed. We just don't, you know, we always find fault. Just be quiet. Hold it. Don't say it. Let God work. Be thankful for what is happening in the moment. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. But there he is a second time. It hits him. Just hits him. Death. Destruction. Heartache. I've lived enough life to know and to be able to preach with some authority that you are going to deal with heartbreak and loss. Will you encounter it alone or with a Savior that will weep with you and carry you through I hope you choose to receive and believe in His name and go through it with Him. I am thankful for a compassionate Savior. Take away the stone, He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's bad odor, for He has been there four days. 
Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Well, that wasn't in the conversation, but evidently it was in the conversation, one of those things that wasn't written down. But that's exactly what he said to his disciples. You think Lazarus is asleep? I'm telling you he's dead, and I'm going there to wake him up. And I'm glad that you will see this because you're going to see the glory of God, and you're going to see my glory as God works through me to bring it about. And the same is true for Mary and Martha and all the Jews. You will just believe. If you will just believe that small thing, but significant thing, you will see the glory of God. I believe that Jesus Christ will let me see my brother Lonnie Joe Gill again at the resurrection. And I believe that I will see my dad and my mom and my grandma and my grandpa. I believe it because Jesus said it. He said, you will see my glory. Just be patient and wait. I'm not going to see them in this life. But I'm going to see them at the resurrection at last day. And for that, I'm overwhelmed and simply thankful. And maybe as a person gets older and you experience enough suffering and loss and heartache, you start to really value preciously those promises of God. But I'm just telling you here now, it's coming for all of you and you want to make sure that you go through these things with the Lord. So Jesus cried in the Garden of Gethsemane. He cried here at the resurrection of Lazarus. Where else did he cry that's recorded in the Bible? This is the triumphal entry that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. The little children walk around waving the palm branches. Hosanna in the highest. This is the passage. Jesus entering Jerusalem to lay down his life freely in obedience to God and to offer salvation to the world. As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, just read it with me, he wept over it. Why did he weep over it in this unique situation right here? And said of them, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, you could have had peace. But you don't have peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. He wants you to have peace. He looks down over Jerusalem. He wants them to have peace. But they've ignored and not received or believed in His coming and what God has done through Him even though they've seen the healing of disease and sickness and the preaching with authority of God's Word. They missed it. That's sad. 
They missed it. Are you missing it? Because if you miss it, you're lost. If you miss it, you are doomed to hell. That's why He came. That's why He suffered. That's why He died. So that forgiveness of sin could be offered freely by His grace to those who would receive and believe. The world tells us that doesn't matter. It does matter. And that's why Christianity and your life and your proclamation to those around you and your family that would listen, whoever would listen, is so critically important. Because when someone dies, you just can't preach them into heaven. I don't care how famed of a preacher you might think you are. You can't preach anybody into heaven because you're just a man. Your good works and your good deeds, they don't get you to heaven. They're filthy rags in God's sight. The only thing that gets us into heaven is receiving and believing God. And we have hope and we have promise that He's always with us. Without that, you are doomed. So please, not, not, don't listen to me so much, but listen to the Lord. He weeps over His lost people. He cries over those in Jerusalem. And He's crying over you, shedding tears, if you are not His. Are you His? Are you His? He says you could have had peace, but now you don't have peace. You know, we might get shaken as believers when bad news comes. Amen? But we have a peace that surpasses all understanding because that peace comes from God the Father. We lose someone we love, we miss them every day, but we have peace that surpasses understanding because we know they are with the Lord and we will see them again, God promised. And God is always faithful and always true, although man is a bunch of liars, God is always faithful. You could have had peace. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, you're going to have an attack. They're going to lay siege. The Roman Empire is coming and they're going to destroy the temple. And that happens around A.D. 70. And thousands of Jews are slaughtered. The prophecy was true. Some 40 years after the death of Christ. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They missed it. Are you missing it? Today, Paul says, 
is the day of salvation. Today, this is the season, this is the time. No one knows when the Lord's going to return, but return He will. He promised it. And when He returns, will He find you as His? And that's why we preach, repent. That's why we say, turn to the Lord. That's why we say, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we preach, receive Him, believe in Him, and live your life faithful to Him the best you can in His power and strength until the day you die or He returns in the clouds with the holy angels. Church, my brothers and my sisters, unbelievers, friends, I'm simply thankful for the compassion of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that you don't miss it. It would be a shame if you miss it. Don't miss it. You pray with me. Oh, Father in heaven, Praise your name and we worship you as one here this morning. We just pray that your Holy Spirit will stir our hearts, the hearts, Father, that are seeking someone maybe who came today that wasn't seeking, but now your Spirit has pricked their conscience and and now they're thinking. Don't let that moment escape. Let them be sensitive to it, God, and and help those that have made the decision already and are living the life to be thankful, simply thankful. Father, be with us as we sing these next two songs, Lord. Help us just to have a prayer with you. If there's anyone here, Father, that needs prayer, encourage them, prompt them, Get up and to go to a prayer partner in this building up front, out back, an elder, a friend, and to ask for prayer. Let us see your glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And together we say, Amen.